Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. The title of my message tonight is Lost and Found. Lost and Found. Have you ever lost something that is precious to you? It could be a piece of jewellery, it could be your latest shoes that you bought, it could be a t-shirt, it could even be a big ticket item like your laptop. And, um, but how many of you know there's something devo about losing something precious? Something extremely devo, about, I've been in Australia too long, there's something devastating about it. But there's something equally joyous about finding that thing that you have lost. You know what, when I was a little kid, probably about five or six years old, um, we had a big family Christmas and we opened our presents and I think for some reason I was not too happy with the gift that I received. But my cousin that day was about 60, uh, 60 years old, 16. She, she was about 16 years old, her name was Deb. Well, actually Debbie, but we'll call her Deb. And she received a beautiful necklace like a gold necklace. And I think I just was overpowered by jealousy. And everybody went their separate ways. The necklace was under the Christmas tree. And what did six-year-old Carl do? He went to go fetch the gold necklace. He ran across the street of his grandmother's house and he chucked that necklace in the field. Lost, gone, gone. Eventually they found it. Let's just say my parents were not very happy and I did not end very well. <laughs> I recently lost, I, I played with uh, golf with, with uh, Joey and um, Jake a few months ago, and I lost one of my clubs. If you recently, if you're in a conversation with me for more than two minutes, we'll probably start talking about golf, so I just had to throw it in there. Um, but I lost my golf club while we were playing, and the next day I was scrambling, I was, oh my gosh. And in true, I, I messaged some of the guys. I was like, hey, did you see it? And Jake Pedlow, in true calm Jake Pedlow style, was like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. I was like, thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. But the joy of being, of something being found. You know, funny story, uh, this week, the Masters is on um, at, uh, at Augusta, which is one of the biggest golf tournaments. And um, it's been blasting on our TV for the last three days. And my wife has graciously allowed it to play on the big TV. Normally, I just have to lay in a corner and watch golf. It's not allowed on the big TV. So anyway, I, I just realized what how interesting it is for my wife to watch. I've been watching like, wow, great shot. Wow, amazing. You know, the first thing she comes, she sits down, she goes, I don't like his outfit. <laughs> and then the next comment was, how beautiful are the gardens? I was like, I, haven't, I didn't even see the gardens. <laughs> but one of my best stories about being lost and found was my first encounter and meeting Beck Cleaver. Now Beck Goldfinch. She's a part of our church. Are you here, Beck? She's somewhere over here, I'm not sure. But anyway, my... My wife and I um, met in 2015 in the beautiful Cape Town and Kel lived in, in Cape Town for a little bit. And Beck at the time visited Africa. I can't remember where, but she said, you know what, before I return back to Sydney, I'm gonna make my way via Cape Town. I'll say hi to Kel and then I'll go back. So like, cool. 
Beck shows up in Cape Town. We welcome her. We say, hey, Beck, how are you? I meet Beck and I'm like, wow, Beck just laughs all the time. That was my first impression for Beck. She was like just laughing for like three days straight. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so one night, Kel and I had a, um, we had a church meeting on and we had to be there at night. And we thought, oh, okay, cool, Beck, you know what? We'll drop you off for two hours. You can maybe go around to, and we dropped at a mall called Canal Walk, which uh, you can put that first one. That is beautiful, Canal Walk. And that's just a part of it, but it's an absolutely massive mall. It stretches like all the way to the other side. And um, you know what? Two hours passed by, we came back and Kel said, Beck, all I want you to do is, because Beck didn't have a phone. And we said, Beck, meet us at the big M. Can you put the big M on the screen? There was a big M in the middle of the food court. And we said, Beck Goldfinch, please meet us at the big M when we come. In two hours, we will be there. Anyway, Kel moves two hours later. Kel goes to Canal Walk. I make my way home. Half an hour later, I get a call frantic. I can't find Beck. I can't find Beck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not gonna end. Well, I say, okay, Google, babe, calm down. I'll make my way over. I make my way over. We walk around Canal Walk for about 15, 20 minutes. Understand, it is a massive mall. The big M, Beck is nowhere to be found, not even close. So we eventually decide we're gonna have to go to security. We're gonna have to find out where Beck is. We walk into the big security center, like sort of in the back where I've never seen before. And we realize, oh my gosh, we didn't even know if Beck came in. We dropped outside. We don't know if she made it inside. So anyway, we start searching for Beck. They start pulling up surveillance. They can't see Beck coming through the door. Oh, Kel starts panicking. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to phone Beck's mom. I don't know. Kel, Kel's starting to freak out. She goes, you need, you need to announce over this microphone right now that we are looking for Beck Goldfinch. They say, ma'am, calm down. We don't do that because at malls, it is a hotspot for trafficking. We go, oh my gosh, Beck has been trafficked. <laughs> this is not gonna end well. We, I'm even starting to panic now. I'm like, Kel's telling me, Kel, calm down, just calm down. So, <laughs> so you know what? We decide, okay, we'll go our separate ways. We, there are two security guards, they, they go one way. Kel and I go another way. We walk for about 20 minutes cannot find Beck. We are really on the verge of phoning Beck's parents to say, this girl is gone. <laughs> we, I'm telling you, it was close. We come back after 20 to 25 minutes and we walk back into the security center where all the surveillance is. Step number one, they show us Beck Goldfinch walked into the mall. We were like, okay, great. Step one, gone. About 15, 20 minutes and the mall's closed. It's gone. People are gone home. Eventually at the end of the night, we say, you know what? Let's take one more walk. And as we're walking for about 10, probably about another five to 10 minutes, we walk outside and there's Beck Goldfinch on a bench, nowhere close to the M, if I may say. <laughs> nowhere close to the big M. And she just looks in the star, she goes, hey guys. Oh my gosh. So that was my first encounter of Beck Goldfinch. But... I say that to illustrate that the joy of finding something that has been lost. The joy of finding something that has been lost. If you have been around church for any amount of time, you'd have probably heard the phrase lost and found because nothing articulates the mission and the call of Jesus 
more than this scripture or that phrase. And in Luke 19 verse 10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men might become sons of God. We see Jesus appearing in human form to redeem lost humanity who are depraved, who by themselves cannot reconcile themselves to God. Through their own works, they've tried for many, many years, centuries. They try to obey the law perfectly, but they failed. And here a spotless Lamb of God comes and He says, I will go to the cross for you. So you've probably heard about lost and, lost and found in the context of salvation, in the context about being reconciled. And that is a beautiful moment. But what if I told you tonight that beyond your decision to follow Jesus, as we walk out this life, as we walk through challenges, trials, and as Pastor Brad alluded to this morning, walk through dry and weary seasons, that we can lose some things along the way, even as a believer. The Bible reveals things that have been lost over the ages. We see lost hope. We see lost vision. We see lost time and opportunity. We see loss of strength. We see loss of heart. We see lost courage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored? We see kings and leaders even losing their prominence and honor. And we even see people losing their hair. No shade, no shade. You guys didn't get that joke. That didn't land well. <laughs> that didn't land well. Oh, there we go. But before, before I share some things about what I feel that we'll be tempted to lose, I just wanna sort of, I was thinking about it and I just wanna give three reasons on why I think we're prone to losing things along the way. And the first one is this, insufficient or inadequate protection. Insufficient or inadequate protection. The text says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. It actually puts a positive obligation on you to guard. That word guard is a military term. It means to garrison. It's a term of soldiers. It means fortitude. So when God has deposited things into our lives, when He's brought good things into our spirit and grown our character, grown our person, we actually need to protect what He's given. The second thing is we despise their value. The things that God has poured into our life, we despise their value. In Genesis chapter 25, we see an amazing story. It's not that amazing, but a story of Jacob and Esau. And it said that Esau as the firstborn son had a birthright. A birthright was basically just the inherited leadership of the family and the judicial authority of his father, the head of the home um, for the sake of coll colloquialism. And he sold his birthright to his younger brother for what? For a pot of lentils, for a pot of stew. But it says this in Genesis chapter 25, verse 34. So Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. The thing that God valued, the thing that God esteemed, he did not treat it with equal value. The message Bible said that he shrugged off his rights. He shrugged off his rights. He didn't count it of any value. And here's the rev, here's the rev. What you do not value, you will ultimately lose. What you do not value, you will ultimately lose. And the third reason that I believe is that we give the devil a foothold. We give the devil a foothold. Ephesians talks about not giving any opportunity to the devil. 
It says, don't give the devil a foothold. That word foothold is actually the best analogy that I can give is if you think about a rock climber, when a rock climber is coming up, he needs something to put his foot in. And that's what the devil tries to do in our lives sometimes. He tries to just get a little bit in there. And I looked about the definition of a foothold. It says, a secure place that is used as a foundation to gain further advancement. The devil doesn't need the whole pie. He just needs a little bit of a, th- of a foothold in there. And can I tell you, as God pours more into our life, as He strengthens us, as He strengthens us in the body of Christ, can I encourage you, get a little bit feisty with the devil. Tell him you will not steal, kill and destroy in my life. I am a child of the King and I live under His Lordship. I will not be governed by you. And you know what, to avoid loss, I, I just wanna point out four things that I believe we need to guard. Are you ready? Four things that I think we need to guard in this season. Thing number one, guard your passion. Guard your passion. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. That word fervour there means to boil. It means to be hot. It means to burn. Wow, amazing. Jesus said, I didn't come to baptise just with water, but I came to baptise you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. This week I was reading the book of Acts and just journeying through it. And the thing that I found most amazing about the book of Acts, apart from so many other things, is the busyness of the church. They were active. They were alive. They were making a difference. They had passion. They had spiritual fire. They had spiritual fervour in their lives. There's two things that happen when we get saved. One, we become alive to a person. We become alive to God, our spirits respond. But the second thing that happens is that we become alive to a cause. We become alive to a cause and that cause is the Kingdom of Heaven being established on earth. That is the building of the church. So when people, when I got saved, people used to say, why are you in church all the time? Even now, are you just in church? No, that's not because I'm religious. That's because I am after building something. That is because I am making a difference through the church in the world. Christianity was never meant to be known by its traditions, but it was meant to be known by its passions. It was never meant to be known by its traditions. It was meant to be known by its passions. Not going to church on a Sunday, not reading my Bible. Yes, that is great. Ticking the boxes is amazing. But man, I got to burn inside. There's got to be fervour. There's got to be hunger. There's got to be a stirring. I love what Kira shared two weeks ago when she shared about her baptism and she was talking about why she decided to get baptised. She said, I just had to tell someone. I just had to show the world that, hey, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. What is that? That is spiritual fervour. That is spiritual passion. If you've been around for, Australia, for any amount of time, you'd know Salvos or the Salvation Army. And um, it's around for probably about 200 years. And the Salvation, was fo- the Salvation Army was founded by a man named William Booth. And uh, they did amazing things. You know, they f- feed the poor. They, you know, they started churches. They saw souls get saved. And at the end of his life, a journalist came up to him and said, William Booth, how did you do all these amazing things? And William Booth said this, and the quote will come up on the screen. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus could do 
with the poor of London. I made up my mind that he would have all of William Booth there was. And if there's anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. What does the decision to Jesus demand of our hearts? Everything, everything. And you know what, as we, and the best thing about giving everything is that we see a world being reached. We see a gospel being shared. We see a church being built. And church, can I challenge us tonight? Let's go all in. Let's let the fire of God burn strong in us. Thing number two that I think we need to guard, you need to guard your people. Guard your people. Social isolation and loneliness have been defined as the true pandemic of our day. The stat is that one in three people will experience loneliness at some point in their life. In reaching our God-given potential, sometimes God gives us plans, but sometimes He gives us people. We see this phrase in the book of Acts and it, it, it refers to as Paul's companions in the gospel. Paul's companions in the gospel. We see some people giving Paul encouragement. We see people giving Paul prayer. We see people giving him financial support and, and accommodation. We see people who bared his leadership load, who helped him write letters, and even went as far as acknowledging them as brothers, sisters, and family. You know what, when I started you know, growing in God, you know, one thing that I used to tell when it came to community and people is, I got God, I got God. Why do I always need a tribe? Why do I always need community? But let me tell you, community and people coming around you is actually God's weapon for your destiny. You know what, I've seen people grow through just hearing from God, but then I've seen people grow through community. People who experience the purpose of God by the friendships that they build. And to be honest, I've just found that experience a little bit richer. I've seen people who've grown through mentoring, through being close in community. There's just something absolutely special about it. And I think there's a DNA in it that's just, there's just something unexplainable about it. Psalm 68 verse says, Psalm 68 verse six says this, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. You know what, just over the last few weeks, probably about a two, three months, I've been you know, in the guest lounge, talking to people in the foyer, and a lot of new people have joined our church or are interested in joining our church. And you know what the people that I've spoken to have just said? I'm just looking for community. I'm just looking for my people. And you know what, there's gonna come times we're gonna feel tempted to devalue community, devalue our people, but we gotta guard the community that God has put in our world. Third thing is, guard your position. Guard your position. Have you ever been so high um, that you are able to see what others don't? We, um, when I just came to Australia in 2017, we went to the Infinity Restaurant, which is the revolving tower. And how amazing is that you get to see the whole amazing, beautiful Sydney. And you know what I thought? That is a picture of our spiritual position. That is a picture of our spiritual position. Ephesians 1 says this, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, and not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Wow, that's talking about Jesus, that He's seated far above all principality and power. But do you wanna know what the good news is? That you are in Christ. The Bible's the same book in the book of Ephesians. He says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when it talks about your spiritual position, you are not of this earth. <laughs> your spiritual position is that you have a heavenly perspective. You see things from God's perspective. You don't see things from the bottom up. You see things from the top down. And I feel that when we go through trials, when we go through difficulty, the first thing that the enemy tries to bring in, he tries to challenge our position. He tries to challenge our position. I just wanna ask Jordan to bring up that chair. I just wanna do this comparison quickly or this little analogy. Thank you, Jordan. Can we give Jordan a hand? Thanks, George. That scripture that we just read, said that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Being seated speaks of authority, it speaks of victory, it speaks of completion, and it speaks of rest. So that, thank you brother. So that is the position that God wants us to live from. He wants us to live from a point of completion, from victory and from rest. But I feel that the more we sort of try to work that rest and sort of sit in it, the enemy goes, you know what? That hope that you got, maybe it's not enough. And you start going, oh, maybe I'll find my hope over here. Maybe I'll find my hope over there. Maybe the hope of Jesus is just not enough. The seated position says, you have all the joy you need. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You just go, and, and then you get out of your seated position, you start standing, you go, oh, maybe His joy is not enough for me. Maybe I need to get high. Maybe I need to smoke a little bit of the <laughs> to laugh a little. So you lose your seated position. The Bible promises that we have the peace of Jesus. We have the rest of God. The peace of Jesus is enough for me. And so we get tempted to be off our God, to be off our God and we stop sitting and we go, oh, maybe I'll get my peace over here. Maybe I'll find my peace in a relationship. Maybe I'll find my peace in my job, in my finances. But the peace alone comes from Jesus. Can I encourage us tonight, church? Hold your position. Guard your position. We are called to be seated and not to be standing. Your position will ultimately determine your disposition. Your position will ultimately determine your disposition, your, ten, your behavioral tendencies, your emotional tendencies, your state of mind that you lean into. If you respond from an earthly point, you'll have earthly behavior, you'll have earthly emotions. But when you have a heavenly perspective, you'll have heavenly behavior, heavenly emotions and a heavenly state of mind. And my fourth point, and Craig, you can join me. That's all right. Fourth thing we need to guard. So the first one, we got our passion. We got our people. We got our position. And the fourth thing is we got the touch of His presence. We got the touch of His presence. Now some of you are looking at me, what do you mean that I can lose the presence of God? 
What do you mean that it can just go away? No, 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 that's not what I'm referring to. The Bible says, Jesus said that the presence of God will abide with you forever. Ephesians talks about that He's been given to us as the earnest of our inheritance. He's been, you, it says you've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So as a believer, we enjoy the abiding presence of God. But let me tell you this, let me, I'll let the Scripture do the talking. Ephesians 5, 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That word be filled over there, it is not a noun. It is not a noun, it is a verb. And it's a, it's a continuing filling. It means to be continually filled, to continually replenish, to continually replete. One definition that I said, it said level up. Level up and I was like, there we go. That's the definition I was looking for. But the act of responding to God requires intentionality. The enjoyment, the Bible says that in His presence, there's fullness of joy. When we experience that, it is not by default. It is when our hearts and our minds engage the presence of God where we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, I am here, I'm available. Come and move on my heart, come and move in my life. And when we go through seasons of difficulty, when we go through weary seasons, we, we fail to guard that touch. We fail to guard the power of His presence. We would rather spend two hours on social media than just to play worship for 30 minutes and say, God, pour Your Spirit on me. And I'm guilty, mate. You can get lost just scrolling away. But anyway, but that to God that touch, you need intentionality. Why do you think in so many worship moments in the book of Psalms when those things were being written, those beautiful Psalms were being written, continually said, Silah, Silah, pause, reflect, stop, meditate, think on what He's done. Because when we fail to pause, when we fail to allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to overpower us, we lose His power. We lose that sense of urge. We lose that sense of compulsion. Even our love of Pastor Brad, he speaks about a charging. We fail to feel that charge in our spirits. But you know what the good news in all of this is? You know what, I, I've been to a um, few hotels and some, we generally try to go off the ones that have the pool, right? Because those are the nice ones. <laughs> and usually when you get to the pool, there's usually a sign and it says no unauthorized access. No unauthorized access. You see in the Kingdom of God, everybody has access to the pool. Everybody has access to the pool, but it is your choice whether you're gonna jump in. It's gonna be your choice whether you're gonna jump in and whether you wanna be filled with, a, with the presence of God, whether you want Him to overwhelm you and touch you like you've never felt it before. Come on, can I encourage you? Dive into the presence of God. In your times with Him this week, dive into the presence of God. You know what, in closing, can I be honest with you? Truth time, no cap. I've let down my God. I've let down my God. And I've lost some things. Some seasons longer than others. I know what it's like 
to lose your passion. I know what it's like to lose your people. I know what it's like to fail to let down that God of allowing the touch of His presence to fill my life every single day. But the amazing news is, is that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know where you've let down your God. Maybe it was even your fault. (laughs) Maybe you did sort of just have a lack of focus, but you wanna know something? God is merciful. God is gracious. You know what, in, the, in, the, in Luke chapter 15, we see the story of the lost coin. And I love what it says that, it says that when she went to go find that coin, which is actually a picture of the seeking heart of God, it says she sought it diligently. Whatever you have lost, I wanna encourage you tonight that God is gonna help you. God is seeking diligently and He will help you find those things that you have lost. Can I ask you to bow your heads with me this, morning, this evening? just where you are. The first people I'd love, I'd just love to pray for two groups of people. The first group of people I'd love to pray for is, you just have lost things. You felt that you've maybe lost your joy, you've lost maybe even your hope or whatever it might be. I'd love to just pray for you tonight. Maybe you've even lost something that was maybe a bit traumatic and you say, Carl, can you just pray for me tonight? I'm just gonna ask you on the count of three to lift your hand. One, two, three. If that is you and you'd love me to pray for you, thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you. I'd love to pray for you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every person whose hand is up right now, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you cover them. Lord, I thank you, God, for your amazing grace that covers and washes over every single person. Lord, I thank you for the strength to God. I thank you, Lord, that what has lost shall be found in your presence. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you will go with them. Holy Spirit, be their closest friend and their guide. I declare the protection of God over every person. I prophesy the restoration of God over every single person in Jesus' Name. The second group of people I'd love to pray for is you've never given your life to Jesus. That scripture that I read that He came to seek and to save those who are lost. That Greek word for lost simply means to be away from or to be cut off or separated. Friend, tonight it is not God's heart and God's will that you be separated from Him. And Romans 10 verse 9 gives some good news and it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that he, will be sa- um, that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So if you are here tonight and you say, you know what, I'm just away. <laughs> I'm just separated. Maybe, I've, maybe you followed God at one stage or maybe you wanna follow Him afresh today. I would love to pray for you. And on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand. There are a few simple trusted members of Horizon that are just looking around, but this is your moment of privacy with God. One, Jesus loves you. Two, you are worth finding. Three, that is you. I'd love to keep you in this closing prayer. I'd love to keep you in this closing prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.